Praise the Lord. How many glad to be in God's house? Come on, y'all. So good. Listen, uh, in the season that we're in with COVID and, and then the transition that we've gone through as, a, as pastorally, we're in a season of rebuilding the church and reconstitute ourselves. And so there are staff transitions. There's people that have left. And like you saw, Arlen um, send off a wonderful couple and send them to go to Bend, Oregon. At the same time, people are coming. God is sending us. And some of those people are very familiar to us. Uh, Lori has been here, has been a part of this church for 13 years, always worked and served her tail off in this church for 13 years. And we felt like that it was the most important thing that we're going to do going forward is the Great Commission, which is to make disciples. And Arlen, quite frankly, is just ill-equipped without Lori. Did you guys know that? There's just, there's just something that's just not right when I have Arlen around. But when, when Lori comes around, I'm like, ah, a complete set. And so, with that being said, we recognize, the church council recognize the gift that God is on her life. And so, pastor, getting licensed right now, Lori Hill, is on our staff now, full-time. So, we get all of Lori for this next season in our areas of discipleship and healing, and um, we just love you and appreciate you. I've always loved you. In in fact, one of the things I said about you privately back here is that you change any room that you come into. It is infused with love. It is infused with faith and expectation, and I want more of you, girl. Come on, give her a big hand clap. Thank you so much. It is such an honor for me to step into this place and in this position. As you know, I've been here with you for all of this time, 13 years serving. Now I'm going to serve at a different capacity, and yet it's such an honor for me to do that. So thank you so much, and I look forward to all that God has for all of us. Come on, give her another big hand. Come in, girl. So um, while the cat was away... I heard that every guest speaker has some jokes to tell about me and that you guys all thought it was funny too, huh? Don't worry. I got the rest of the year. I'm going to be back in the pulpit. Don't worry about it. I'll deal with all of y'all. But listen, it was so good to just, and every summer we've always done that. It takes successive weeks, almost a month off in the summer just to recalibrate, refocus, just so you know it's good to spend time with hot chocolate by myself. Not distracted by grandchildren and these other things we gave birth to. And so, just a good time. But, but here's what's funny. About a weekend, I started texting the staff and telling, you know, just like, and, and I kept getting text messages back like, hey, you're on vacation. Stop texting us. I'm like, yeah, but I miss everybody. I, I love everybody. And I was, you know, online giving notes last week while the three amigos were up here. Weren't they great? Give them a big hand. Come on. Future's bright. So, got a couple more weeks that I'm, well, actually two weeks. Arlen's going to minister next week, and, but this week, I've got a friend of mine that, that I want to introduce some of you to. Some of you are already familiar with Bethel and Jesus culture and the whole phenomenon and the move of God and what God has done through them. Um, I came about this by the way of my father's sort of prophetic word in my life. Most of you know my story about the estrangement with my dad and just trying to figure that out and him coming back from Vietnam and that whole thing. But, but I remember going on a walk with him one time and he said to me, he said, he, he said, I want you, he just turned randomly out of nowhere. I'm this little boy walking with my dad. He turns and says, hey, I want you to be able to walk with all men. I want you to be able to go from the hood to the boardroom. I want you to be able to go in any environment and be able to have a conversation 
and connect with people. And I'm like eight years old, like, oh, okay, I don't know what that means. And, and a couple more steps, and then he says, and, and I want you, you may not get all the money that you want in life, and you may not have all the resources, but, but you can be rich in relationships. Be rich, be wealthy in relationships. And literally, that was a prophetic word in my life because through the years, we've been fortunate enough to have friends in relationship in every movement across the country, denominational, across the line. So people say, are you Foursquare? I am, but, but I'm not all Foursquare. I got all kinds of relationships. Because I mean, you know, the kingdom of God is bigger than any one tribe, come on, or any one expression. And so we got all these relationships, and, and through a mutual relationship, we were able to go to a gathering of leaders in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, last April, I think. And I met Banning Leapshear, who immediately became a soul brother. We, I, I literally watched him minister. My wife said, oh, yeah, y'all going to be friends. And we just became very fast friends. And in the same way that I became a sort of uncle to the house of God at East Hill for years before I ever became the pastor, Banning will be coming back, being a part of this house with us. You're going to love him. Would you please give Banning Leapshire a big hand as he comes this morning? Come on, brother. Come on, man. Do that thing. Come on. I didn't realize we were wearing Jordans today. I would have worn my uh, Jordan 1 dark mochas I just got. Says, come on now. I should have known. I should have known. Man, it's great to be here, East Hill. I've heard a lot about you guys. Uh, the Lord's really been, uh, actually, no joke, spreading the news of this church all around the nation. And so, really an honor to be here and just absolutely do. Uh, uh, you know, your fast friends. When I met Pastor Keith's granddaughter, grandkid, but, here's a, but he's just been sending me random pictures. With no, like, like, I'll just get a text message of him and his grandkid. Like, with no text or anything. Just that picture. Just, and, like, I could show you on my iPad. Just three pictures in a row. And I'm like, uh, we're friends, man. You're sending me grandkids. So I feel like, you know, I feel like I'm part of the family already. But just really do love your pastors. And, and there's few people like them that just really genuinely are such great communicators, leaders, but are a true father who uh, really does love people, and it's, it's exciting what God's doing in this church. Hey, I went long in the first service. Can we just jump in right now? Is that all right? We got some territories, skipped a bunch of stuff, still went long. I want to pray over people if we can. Can we jump in? Did you bring your Bibles today? Did you bring your Bibles to the house of the Lord? If you did, go with me to the book of Ephesians. We're going to uh, read a verse in Ephesians 2, and then we're going to land in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 2. We're going to land in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to just tell you this real quick. I've been in full-time church ministry, pastoral ministry since I was 19. I'm 45. Since I was 19 years old, I love the local church. I love the body of Christ. I love the community of God. Um, I, I believe deeply in revival, but that revival is going to come through the local church, that it's through the local communities and cities that God pours out his spirit and moves in revival. And, uh, and so I, I want to challenge you today. I want to encourage you. Hopefully what I can do today is whenever I preach, my goal is to both encourage and challenge you. I want you to leave full of courage, and I want you to leave challenged to grow in areas. And hopefully we'll do that today as we talk about the family of God, as we talk about the local church. Here's what Ephesians 2 says. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he tells them this. Consequently, Ephesians 2.19, consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Let me read this again. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people 
and also members of his household. Paul says this. He says, listen, when you were not saved, you're under what the Bible says, the dominion of darkness. You belong to the kingdom of darkness. But when you got saved, Jesus came and rescued you from the dominion of darkness. He put you in the kingdom of his son, in the kingdom of light. And when that happened... You are no longer on the outside. You're no longer a stranger or a foreigner. But now you're what the Bible says. You're a member of the household of God. God's household. I believe deeply in the local church. And the role that this community plays in the life of individuals and the life of a city. But I believe if we're truly going to see God move to the extent he desires. We have to relook at the church and make sure that we see the church the way God intended the church to be. I think sometimes we don't even know it, but we begin to look at the church in a way that isn't actually how God even intended it to be. I believe that God wants to shift our perspective slightly. He wants to just change our angle just a little bit so that we can see better what we're looking at. The reality is, is if you don't see something correctly, you're going to interact with it improperly. Because how I see something, how I view something, determines for me how I engage and interact with it. How I view something matters. I need to see it correctly. I need to see it properly. Because if I don't see it correctly, if I don't see it properly, when I engage with it, when I interact with it, I'll do it wrong. And there's so many people that are frustrated, that are confused in the church simply because they view it wrong, therefore they interact with it wrong. And this is what I believe the Lord wants to challenge us on right now. In shifting our perspective, it's around this issue, that the church is a family, not a business. Now I think we would agree with that. I don't think there's anybody in this room that would disagree with it, that say, no, 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 the church is a business, it's not a family. Like everybody would agree with it. We'd all amen it. We'd all understand that we're a family of God, that Jesus didn't come to redeem employees unto himself. Jesus didn't die on the cross to redeem soldiers unto himself. He came to restore relationships as a father with sons and daughters who then as a family would represent his heart in the earth. We would all applaud that. We would all say yes to that. But here's the problem. I'm not sure we really follow that line of thinking all the way out because if we do, we realize that it's going to require something out of me. And without realizing it, we're in a world that, that disciples us and when we come into the church, we begin to view it in a way that actually God never intended. How you view something determines how you interact with it. I am a, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I am a big customer service guy. I just believe it is my God-given American right to have good customer service. And if you've ever been outside America, you know what I'm talking about. I've, in England, all across Europe, I'm like, these people are horrible at customer service. Like, you are an inconvenience when you come to their place of business. So as an American, I believe it's my right. Now listen, I don't, I'm not the guy who throws a fit about it though, right? I just remember. And don't come back. I take my business elsewhere. If I go to a restaurant, for example, and I sit down, and, I, uh, and I'm there for 10 or 15 minutes, and it takes a while for the waiter or waitress to come over to me and give me some water and some bread. I don't throw a fit. I just remember. Don't come back. If I specifically ask for no tomatoes in my meal, because biblically in the book of Revelation, <laughs> tomatoes are connected to the Antichrist, 
They're not mint. Is anybody else with me on the? Don't be afraid. We don't need like tomatoes. They're in everything. Dear Lord, I don't want tomatoes. So if I say, please don't put tomatoes in my dish, and then they come out and there's tomatoes, I don't throw a fit. I push them off to the side, but I remember and I don't come back because I want good customer service. But that's when I'm at a restaurant. Can you imagine if I approached my home that way? First of all, let me tell you, you've never, met my, you've never met my wife, so the story I'm about to tell you has never happened because I have a godly fear of this woman. <laughs> so, so, like, this wouldn't go over. But can you imagine is if I came into my house after work one day, came in, sat down at my table, then sat there for 10 minutes, confused and wondering why nobody's coming over to bring me some water and some bread and check on what I need. Ten minutes afterwards, I'm looking around going, excuse me, is, is anybody here going to bring me some water? All around the house, no, no. Get up, lazy, no. Can you imagine me getting upset? I cannot believe this. It's unbelievable. I, you know, I'm taking my business elsewhere. I'll never come back here again. Can you imagine if my wife brought a dish out that she had made and it had tomatoes in it? I said, I specifically asked, woman? I spe- <laughs> She's not here right now. I specifically asked that there would be no tomatoes. I'm taking my business elsewhere. I will never come back to this place again. Of course not. Right? Because it's a house, not a restaurant. And it becomes problematic for me when I approach my house like it's a restaurant. When I approach my family as if it's a business. It's all right to approach a restaurant as a restaurant. It's not okay to approach a house as a restaurant. And you can go across the board. One of the things I hate, and now COVID has done this, they're not even cleaning hotel rooms anymore. Like, literally, they're not cleaning hotel rooms now for three or four days. They're just like, but one of the things I hated was when I'd be preaching all morning when I'm traveling, and I'd go back, and if the room wasn't cleaned, oh, so irritated. I'm paying money. Or actually, the church is paying money, not me. The church is paying money for somebody to clean this room. Can you imagine if I came home, walked into my room, and said, why isn't the, why isn't my bed made? Why are my clothes picked up? Why are my towels? Right, right. Are you getting what I'm saying? I can approach a hotel that way. I just can't approach my house that way. And if I think my house is a business and a restaurant, it's going to cause problems. We need to understand what the church is. It's a family. I'm going to read, I'm going to read Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. And and I'm going to read a passage that theologically is what you would study at a seminary to understand what the church government, church structure, church leadership is. It is a, it is a, it is the five-fold ministry that Paul is introducing to the Ephesians. But even when Paul talks about the structure of church leadership and the gifts and the offices, you have to understand it is in the context of family language. It's in the context of family language. Listen to this, because we have to understand, like, what is the church for? If I don't know what the church is for, if I don't know what leadership is for, if I don't know this, then how am I to interact and engage with it properly? Ephesians chapter 4 is this. Ephesians chapter 4, 
verse 11. Paul says this, he says, so Christ himself, and here's the fivefold, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And here's why Jesus gave us these gifts. To equip his people for the works of service. A lot of your translations would say to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity and faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become Mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, which is talking about sanctification. Listen to this language. This is family language. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. One translation says grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. You know what the biblical mandate for your life is? Maturity. You know what God is after in your life? Maturity. You know what his goal is? You know what he's in pursuit of in your life? Maturity. You know why he gave you the five-fold ministry? You know why he put structure? You know what this is all about? Maturity. And maturity ultimately is looking like Jesus. The Bible describes maturity as looking like Jesus. This whole process of sanctification is that every day in my life is being renewed by the Holy Spirit to look like Jesus. If you want to know if you're maturing, you look at the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit, which is the work of the Holy Spirit manifesting in our life, who is trying to make us look like Jesus. Maturity is the goal. It's what God is after in your life. Everything is pointed towards this issue of maturity. If you read Paul, most of his letters are dealing with, in many ways, immaturity. Immaturity of how we interact with one another. Immaturity. And Paul is confused. He, even, he, he writes, he goes, I don't understand why I can't give you meat. He goes, you're not mature enough for meat still. You still need milk. You're arguing about whether you're Apollos or Paul. Or, or, but listen, it's an immature. And so he's constantly calling us to a place of maturity. This is what God is after. Okay, here's why this is important to understand. And here's why the issue of family is so critical in God's plan to mature your life. Because family, and maybe I'll put this healthy family... We can't, I don't know, I can, I can 100% put my family up against your dysfunctional family. So, <laughs> so, so healthy family is the vehicle, is I would say the ideal vehicle in the earth for maturing people. Family is built to mature people. The nature of family is to push you to maturity. As a dad... This is, this, is, this is how family works. As a dad, my responsibility, I have three kids, 22, almost 19, almost 16. My, my job is not just to raise sons and daughters, it's to raise fathers and mothers. And so, so, so I'm in very invested, very invested. My life has been pointed towards these kids that God gave me to mature them in every area until they mature to become fathers and mothers who have sons and daughters 
who they mature to fathers and mothers who have sons and daughters, who have fathers and mothers who have sons and daughters. This is how it works. The nature of family is to mature people. But this gets very confusing if you don't approach a church as a family because if you don't approach a church as a family and you approach as a restaurant, you're wondering why all these people are involved in your business. You're like, whoa, it's like, why don't you back up a little bit? Like, why are you, why are you up in my business? Like, I'm coming to church. It's like, I'm here at church. I'm here to kind of, you know, get what's being served and then I'm gonna go home. And we're like, no, 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 listen. The goal... The goal of family is maturity. The goal of church is maturity. In fact, we should be concerned when people aren't growing. Like, it should be a cause for great alarm in our life. If my son, when he was seven, stopped growing, stopped physically growing, I'd be greatly concerned. I would take him to the doctor. I don't know what's happened. Something is wrong. It's not growing. You know, who, you know who else would be concerned? His aunts, his uncles, his grandparents, his siblings, his cousins. They'd all want to know what's going on. Is he all right? What happened? What did the doctor say? Why isn't he growing? What's happening? Why is he, is he going to grow? What, like, like everybody would be concerned about that because that's family. In the same way, man, people should be able to come to us and go, hey, what's wrong? What do you mean? You haven't grown in six months. That, that response you had to your wife, that's the same immature response you had six months ago. You should have grown. You should be maturing. You should look more like Jesus this year than you did last year. That's the nature of family. And if we don't understand that, you're going to be really confused and frustrated. I don't go to a restaurant and the waiter's not like, how you doing? How's your relationship with your wife? What? Just medium rare. That's good. Like, what? What? Am I right with that? Listen, we laugh about this, but this is how people approach church. The nature of family, even family, can I just say this? Family, you know what family has figured out? Healthy family. Can, I, can we just all say, I mean healthy family? Oh, we all agree on this right now? Healthy family. You know what family has figured out? The generations. And this, is one of the big, this is one of the big struggles right now in the body of Christ is how the generations interact with one another. I'm in that gap age at 45, so I can speak to both with love and confidence in my heart, but we got the younger generation that thinks older generations should just go away sometimes, and, and, then, and then they act like they don't need anybody, and they're just gonna go figure out life on their own, and they're not really interested in your wisdom. And then we've got, and, they, and so they just, they just dishonor the older generation. And then we've got the older generation, a little bit kind of wanting things to be, you know, they're paying for things, and so things should look like they want to look like, and they don't really wanna be inconvenienced by the younger generation, because they crazy. And, uh, you know, because they're, because they're liberal and everything else, and they did this, and I don't get you. And, and, and you know who has it figured out? Family. You know the honor part in family? If there's a 12-year-old kid sitting in a chair and grandma walks in, the whole family, and that 12-year-old doesn't get up. The whole family's like, get up. Get up. Get your, let your grandma have that chair. 
Right? Because grandma, when she walks in the room, she deserves honor. And we treat her like that. She's a valued, important, like, right, right? And the whole environment is pushing on kids to learn how to honor the older generation. But you know what the same way? The older generation knows how to be inconvenienced for the younger generation. Do you know how annoying it is to go on vacation with kids? Can I tell you this? Who has little kids in here? When you get back from vacation, you need a vacation. Am I, am I telling you, am I lying? I'm like, I went on vacation. It wasn't restful at all. We just had to walk around like it was horrible. Like we, we are inconvenienced because the children need something that I don't need. Because the children need an environment that maybe I'm not drawn to. You know how many times, this is for me, I, you got, I'm too old for this. You know how many times I had to watch that stupid Wiggles? <laughs> what was that show from Australia? I don't cuss, but I wanted to cuss every time I watched that show. It was, it was like so annoying. My kids loved it. So you know what we watched in our house? Wiggles. Not because I liked it, not because it was my generation, but because, do you get my point here? Older generation and family has no problem sacrificing for the younger generation. Has no, has no problem adjusting and being inconvenienced and changing. And the younger generation gets pushed to honor, to listen, to draw from. This is generations. This is a family concept. There is no, you know, in business, there's a leadership ladder. There's no leadership ladder in the family. You know how you get empowered in family? Grow up. That's how you get, you know how you get the cars? You know how you get the keys to my car? Mature. But here's what, here's what I'd say. That's family. If you approach it as a business, the problem with business is, is business, so, so family pushes you towards maturity because that's just the structure of family. You should be growing up. It's, it's what's required. But business, business enables you to stay immature. And, and I'm only going to unpack one point in this, but here's one, of the, here's one of the examples I would give you. Business is not interested in your maturity. Business is interested in you coming back every week. This is part of the problem, is we built churches around trying to get people to come back rather than building churches and trying to mature people. And what's happened is, is this, is we have, listen, I, I got to tell you this. I love consumerism. I, dead serious. I love consumerism. <laughs> I love that somebody is trying to figure out how to make my life easier. I love that Staples is like, let's make an easy button because going to the, you know, office supply store is hard. So let's make it easier. Uh, I love that Apple has entire departments that are sitting around thinking about how to make Banning's life easier. I don't know who invented the shop online for groceries, pull up in a slot, and some kid sticks it in the back of my trunk. I love them. I don't know who invented it. I want to send them a, a thank you card every year. I just am like, I love that you just made my life easier. Consumerism is awesome until it comes into the church. Because consumerism is built around removing struggle. 
So consumerism is fighting for your business, and so they're trying to make your life easier. Because we go do easy things. We spend money where it's easy. So in other words, if you can imagine this example, there's, there's, two, there's two coffee shops a block apart. They're competing for business. So the owner one day is sitting in the store, in his store, and he sees a guy drive up, park outside, walk in. He's got to park a little bit of ways out, walks through the parking lot, walks in, buys a coffee, stands in line, goes and waits. They finally give him the coffee. He doesn't stay in the cafe. He just walks back out and drives away. And the owner goes, I think I could remove an obstacle that's causing struggle by putting a drive-through in. I'm going to put a drive-through in. Because I want to make it easier for that guy who has to get out of his car, walk in, order, wait, and walk back. I'm going to put a drive through in. And now there are more people coming to this coffee shop, not because it has better coffee, but because it's easier. And we love easy. Guys, this is, this is what we've been discipled in in the world. That life should be easy. And that there should be people in your life trying to remove all the struggle. And then we come into the church and we encounter struggle and we're like, what's going on here? Like, why isn't the pastor making community easier for me? And I, I just tell people, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, but community is a struggle. I don't know where, like, community is a struggle. Finding real, true community, it's not easy. Now, now, pastors, we try to make it like we're going to make community as easy as possible. We're going we're gonna to set you up and hook you up. We're going to do this, and it's going to be this. It's going to be super easy. Couldn't be easier. I'm like, actually, it, it's actually really difficult to find real deep community. We want prayer to be as easy as possible. Why would you put a prayer meeting at 6 a.m., pastor? I need prayer to be convenient. I, I, I need trust to be easy. And here's the problem. In business, they're trying to remove those things because they want it to be easier so you'll come back. But in the kingdom, struggle's part of what grows you. Struggle's what's part of matures you. you know, like, go through scripture and just read this ones about trials and tribulations. And, and that, the process is that it's moving you somewhere. It's maturing you. It's growing you. Now, parents understand this. Family understands this. We, I don't like it necessarily, but I can see my son. My son recently, he plays basketball, and he was struggling with a coach, just having a hard time, and, and it was kind of anxiety around it. But I know, I, like, I kind of want to save him from that struggle, but I don't because I know this is part of him becoming a man. Part of him becoming a man is figuring out how to navigate that coach. It's figuring out how to bring himself with confidence is figuring out how to connect with the Lord on that issue. He was having real anxiety over it and uh, with this basketball thing. And then all of a sudden he turned a corner. And a few months later I said, son, you don't have any more anxiety on it. And you know what he connected it to? He went forward one day. And, and I kept talking to him about just pushing, buddy. You're going to face hard things in life sometimes. Life's not always easy. you got to get up. you got to show up again. What's the Lord saying? Well, I'm walking him through this. And then all of a sudden... And, and a couple months later, I said, hey, you're not dealing with that anymore. He goes, you know, Dad, I went forward to youth group. I haven't even, oh, this is my, okay, all those watching online right now, don't tell anybody I said this, okay? So don't record this or anything. This is my son. He'll be all right. It is good to have all you guys. But um, he went forward to youth group, got prayer, bawling at the front with this, with this young leader that's really connected to him. He said, Dad, you know, I think when I went and got prayer, I think that's what broke it. 
And I'm like, we want to, re like parents, family goes, oh, I really want to not have you struggle. But I understand how important that is. Businesses aren't thinking like that. And we come into the church sometimes and we're expecting them to be a business that makes my Christian life easy. Can I tell you who doesn't care about your comfort? Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes as pastors, we're so apologetic about inconveniencing you or maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable or whatever else. And I just am like, dude, I actually don't think Jesus cares about your convenience. <laughs> I think Jesus has no problem inconveniencing you, making you uncomfortable to grow. God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your growth. He's interested in your growth. Guys, this is a family concept that business, in all honesty, it doesn't lend itself towards. Here's really what I would say is, one of the things that happens in family, and, and if I was to tell you uh, the, the two words that I believe are maybe the most prophetic words right now in the church, is family, maturity manifests in family as personal responsibility. One of the markers of maturity is personal responsibility. I can see it with my own kids. You know, they don't take care of the room at first. They don't do anything at first. They, you know, they're just immature. But as they get older, all of a sudden they're taking care of the room. That's about as far as they get. <laughs> they're just starting to take care of the room. As they get older, all of a sudden they start taking care of the house. They, they're, they're, there's a personal responsibility for their life. I even see it with my son, and this is, again, you have to understand this. I'm okay. There are le there are, there's immaturity in my own life. There's levels of immaturity in the church. Not everybody's in the spirit 60 years old. Some are five years old. My son, when he was six, was, I mean, all he would eat is cup of noodles. A uh, cup of noodles, he would eat salt and vinegar chips and candy. If I let him be, that's all he would eat. Now, as a, now he's almost 16, he's playing basketball, he's starting to manage himself. He's starting to not eat that stuff. He's starting to eat the stuff that's better for him. He's taking personal responsibility for his life. It's a sign of maturity. Part of the problem is, is that when we view the church as a business, we approach it looking for the business to do what God's called me to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna unpack this, but when I come to a restaurant, I am literally wanting them to do what I don't want to do. Let's go to dinner tonight. Why? Because I don't want to cook and I don't want to clean, clean up. So I'm going to a restaurant to pay you money so I don't have to cook or clean. So sometimes we're coming to the church going, hey, I've got a responsibility from God, but is there any way you could do it? <laughs> Can I give you all a hug? Uh, my, um, I didn't grow up with pets for the most part. My dad was a police officer, very orderly in life. So we didn't have, a room, we didn't have room for animals. Our life was just orderly. And then I married my wife. And, and I, I married a zookeeper. It's insane. <laughs> if you know my wife, she's like one big bundle of chaos. It's just coming at you, you know, full of life, 
And, uh, and so the amount of animals we've had, I mean, it's like birds and frogs and hamsters and cats and dogs and chickens and bunnies. So, but what she really loves is his dogs. And she has this one dog named Dash. He's this English golden retriever. And she loves this dog, like loves this dog. Like, like looked at me the other day and said, hey, if there's a fire, I'm saving Dash, not you. <laughs> She's dead serious. She's like, if you didn't make it, I'll see you on the other side, but not a chance I'm leaving Dash. I'm like, we made a covenant before God together, woman. What? Like, you can't just, anyways, but. So when we got Dash as a puppy, though, he's maybe eight months in, and I could not control this dog. He chewed every shoe in the house. Uh, you would come into our house and all of our shoes were just up on counters. <laughs> and uh, dug the entire backyard up, ripped up carpet, wouldn't walk on a leash, choked himself the entire time. If you open the door, he was gone. So I finally just said, dude, I can't do this, CJ. We have to get him trained. So at Petco, they had a class, 10 classes for $180. I'm like, I'm taking them. Give him the money, show up to the first day of class. Already I'm embarrassed, right? Because the dog will not walk on a leash. And he's so dumb, he just chokes himself. He's pulling so hard, he's just like the whole way in. I'm like, hey, hey. And I go and I sit down, and the dog is now just choking, like for the first three minutes of class, because he just choked himself from the car. So, so the lady walks in and she goes, the dog trainer, she walks in, she starts a class. We're about 15 minutes into the class and I noticed that she wasn't talking to my dog, she was talking to me. And I was genuinely like, why are you talking to me? I'm not the problem. I'm not the one that dug everything up. I'm not the one that can't walk himself on a leash. I like, like, but I thought, all right, it's the first class, it's an intro class. Came back the next week and she kept talking to me. And I realized, oh, this isn't a dog training class. This is a person training class. <laughs> You're here to train me to train my dog. And I got upset because I'm like, no, 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 no. Listen, I paid you money because I want you to fix my dog. You need to fix my dog. I paid $180 for you to get my dog to walk on a leash, to get my dog to stop digging. I need you to do that. And when I figured out she didn't, I didn't go back. I paid $180, stopped after two classes. I was so irritated. I just want you to fix my dog. Welcome to church. People have a call of God on their life. They have responsibility for their Christian life. Do, do you know this? That when, when you got saved, you become a follower of Jesus, and there are certain things that he has mandated in your life. You're to pray. You're to share your faith. You're a disciple. You're to take care of the poor, the orphan, the widow. You're to pray for the sick. You're all this stuff. You're to give. And do you know that all those things, generosity, I disciple people, I give, I reach out, I take care of the poor, but not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a follower of Jesus. And what happens is, is God calls us to things, and then we come into the church, just like the dog trainer, and we say, Pastor, what are you doing to live my Christian life for me? What are you doing to take care of the poor? 
What are you doing to disciple people? What are you doing to share Jesus? What are you doing to give? See, Ephesians 4, Paul makes it very clear. No, 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 listen. The fivefold has been given to equip you to do your Christian life and to mature you so you can do it effectively. And instead, we come in looking. It's fascinating to me. When we planted a church, we didn't have much going on when we planted the church. As far as like we planted it, we didn't have a lot of structure. We didn't have small group structures or all that type of stuff. And so I remember people came. A lot of people came at first. And they were believers. They weren't all unbelievers coming. They were people that were seasoned believers. And they, they were, so they'd come in and be like, hey, how do I find community around here? It's like, uh, I don't know, invite somebody over to your house for dinner. And they were like, what? No, 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 no. Like, what kind of small group structure you got going on? Like, we don't have any. Well, how am I supposed to find community? I don't know, go to coffee with somebody. It was amazing to me that unless there was a structure built, people didn't know how to do what God called them to do. I mean, this is the crazy part. If your church never has a small group structure, you have a call from God to be in community, to disciple people, to be in lives, to be discipled. That's a call from God. And, and the, the sense of personal responsibility that comes is when I say, oh, I'm going to lean into that no matter what. People come up and be like, hey, my, saver got, my, 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 saver, my neighbor got saved. Where's the new believers class? In your living room. And guess who the leader is? I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Guys, this is crazy, but listen. Listen, it's not Pastor Keith's job to disciple your neighbor. It's your job to disciple your neighbor. It's his job to equip you. It's his job to mature you. But it's your job to live your Christian life. And if we're not careful, one of the reasons why the church is not effective is because we all show up looking for somebody to do what God's called me to do. See, this is even why, this is even why when we call people to jump in and get involved and serve, so serving is a family concept. Yeah, one of the things I, uh, so I told you I'm married. My family and my wife's family is drastically different. I was not connected to any of my outside family. They were super, I, I, it was me and, me and my sister and my mom and dad. And, uh, and, and then, my, but my wife, her dad's been married a few times, her mom, she's got, I had 13 siblings, but she's an only child. <laughs> Literally, half step, cousins, grandparents are really involved. And so, so it was like this drastic difference. I remember for Christmas for us, in fact, Christmas would be um, at our family, me, my mom, and dad, and sister. And so literally, my mom would open a gift, and then we'd talk about it. We'd look at it. We'd discuss it. We'd write a letter for it. Then we'd go on to my dad. He'd open a gift. We'd talk about it. We'd discuss it. Then we'd go on to my sister. That was Christmas for us. And I remember the first time I went into CJ's family at Christmas. 19 years old, just meeting her family. We're dating. I walked in, there was like 40 people in the living room. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on right now? She goes, it's Christmas, it's my family. I'm like, what? They're all here for Christmas? She goes, yeah. So I'm like, all right. So I'm kind of looking around, and, and there's a lot of like step and half and all that. So I, there's one guy I said, who's that? She goes, that's my brother Dave. 
I said, oh, your brother Dave. I said, your dad, your mom, your stepmom? And she goes, well, neither. I said, what do you mean neither? She goes, I said, well, how's he your brother? I'm not making this up. I go, how's he your brother? She goes, you know, I don't know. He just started coming around in high school. <laughs> and uh, we just never stopped and we call him brother now. And I'm like, that's not even legal. Why is he at Christmas? He shouldn't be here. They started opening gifts. They gave me a gift. I'm like, thank you. I start opening. I look up, and 10 other people are opening gifts at the same time. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. We haven't opened my gift yet. We haven't talked about it, discussed it, written a thank you note for it. Freaking married into a family of anarchists. But here's what happened. Thanksgiving... Because of my wife, Thanksgiving became my favorite holiday. Thanksgiving, I love Thanksgiving. It's just, it's just we, the whole family comes together all day. We come together, and it's all my, all my brother-in-laws who all played like college football, and they're all talking football. I just nod. Oh, yeah, totally. I'd hit that A slot, X spot. Totally, yeah. And we just watch, we watch football, and they're talking, and, and they jump in. And you know what? I was 19 years old. I showed up to Thanksgiving. I showed up. You know what they did? They handed me a bag of sweet potatoes, yams, and a potato peeler. I was like, all right, I guess I'm peeling potatoes. Okay, so I peel potatoes. Next year, I come back. I'm not making this up. Next year, I come back. They hand me a bag of sweet potatoes, yams, and a potato peeler. I'm 45 years old. I'm a grown man. I pastor a significant church. I have authored books. You want to know what I did at Thanksgiving? As a 45-year-old man, you know what I do at Thanksgiving? I peel potatoes. That's what I do. I peel potatoes. I'm good at it. Do you know now, after all these years, I actually bring my own potato peeler. <laughs> it's, it's from Japan. No joke. It's from Japan. I'm thinking about making a holster for it next year. I show, I show up with my potato peeler. I got no question. I, I, I know exactly what my job is at Thanksgiving. I peel potatoes. And you know what's crazy? I don't have a passion for potatoes. I don't have a vision for sweet potatoes. I don't have a mandate to peel potatoes. But I do have a passion for family. And I do have a passion to contribute to make that the best Thanksgiving. You know what's crazy? The best dish at Thanksgiving, the best dish hands down, Granny is 99 years old. One of my favorite human beings on the planet is Granny. Unbelievable woman. 99. She passed down a recipe for the sweet potato casserole thing. And, uh, and so I peel it all up and they make it. And I mean, you know at Thanksgiving where the line starts at the dish you want to get first? The line starts at sweet potato casserole. And so people are eating that and they're like, it's so good. And you know what's crazy? Nobody even says thank you to me. <laughs> Nobody even thanks me for the work that I did for the food they're eating. Now, in my head, I'm like, this happened in my head. Are you, like, you enjoy that? You like that? Yeah, those sweet potatoes did not peel themselves. You're welcome. <laughs> but do you realize I'm not hurt? 
I'm not offended that nobody thanked me for peeling the potatoes. Do you want to know why? Because it's family. We contribute. We jump in. That's what we do. I don't know. What are you talking about? Why wouldn't I? Do you know why we want you to serve at church? Not because we need employees and bodies, because that's just what family does. Do you know there's three types of people that don't serve at Thanksgiving? And everybody contributes in some way. They're setting up tables. They're making the turkey. They're peeling potatoes. But there's three, there's three people that don't. One is little kids. And, you, and, and, and they're, just running, they're just concerned about themselves. They're running around having fun. And nobody gets mad at them. Do you, but, but they're immature. It's, and nobody's upset with them about that. They're kids. It's all right that they're immature. But the reason why they're not is because they're immature. Then there's guests. Lots of times these, the, the, the cousins from college bring home friends that couldn't go home. And they'll bring in guests. We, we, you sit there. We got you. Don't worry about it. We got you. Just, we want to serve you. But there's a third group, and this is the group that concerns me, and it's usually an uncle <laughs> who's sitting on the couch all day just calling for people to bring him stuff as he watches football. He's also immature, but he's a grown man. <laughs> Are you, like, like, it's okay if people aren't serving at church. I get it. Everybody's at different levels and all this type of stuff. But, but, when we're, but serving at church is just a family concept. Do you know, do you know even we um, talk about Okay, I gotta let you go. I told you I went long before, but here, you know we talk about, we have ushers and greeters at our church and, um, and their job is to make people feel welcomed as they come in. And I love it and they're a great team. Do you realize that that's not just their responsibility? I mean, this is really, if this is truly family, anybody who walks through those doors should have about 20 people Nobody should ever come to this church and sit by themselves. Nobody should ever come in this church and not have 10 people say hi to them. Do, do you want to know why? Because I don't care what your personality is. I do not care what your personality is. You can be an introvert. But if you have people over to your house, you're going to make sure that when they walk in, they feel welcomed, they feel greeted, and if they're sitting by themselves, they're going to get connected. We're going to find them. I would never, ever let somebody at my house not feel welcome. Are you with me on this? Just family. In fact, this happened. There was a, there was a guest, uh, a college student that got brought home, and he was sitting by himself for a while. And uh, my wife said, my wife said, Benny, go get him. So I walked over there. I said, hey, man, come on. You peel potatoes? Let's do this. <laughs> but, but there's no way that I'm going to let him sit by himself. Not because it's my, it's not because it's a, not because I'm on the usher team. Because I'm family. <laughs> and you're not going to walk into my house and not feel welcomed. You know, we've got a, we've got a, we've got a couple in our church that on Sundays, they'll, they'll just ask the Lord, Lord, who are we supposed to take to lunch today? And so they'll just say hi to somebody they don't even know. And they'll say, hey, can we take you to lunch? It's like sitting by yourself. Can we take you to lunch? I mean, this is just family. It's not, it doesn't have to be organized. It's just family. I, I just want to tell you this, that I, I really believe, and I'm, I'm going to be done here, but I really believe that we've got to challenge every area that in our mindset 
that would approach church as something other than family because I believe that God is going to bring the harvest into family. And I believe that one of the most attractive things on planet Earth is healthy family. That people are longing to be a part of a family. But, but they're not longing to go to a restaurant. They're longing to belong to a family that loves one another, that serves one another, that jumps in and contributes, that challenges one another. I mean, if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, you ever had that one kid who was part of a healthy family and you're like, I just kinda wanna be at your house. Can I just be at your house? They may not even have words for it, but when they encounter a healthy family, I believe this is one of the keys to the harvest. And this has nothing to do with church size for me. Can I just tell you this? I don't think it has, it is a culture I'm talking about not that I know everybody in the room. Knowing everybody in the room doesn't make you family. There's a culture that's established. And I, I just really want to challenge you because, because we, we have got to begin to say, God, show me your church as a family so that I can both contribute, interact with it, engage with it, grow in it, mature in it. My son now at 16, he's jumping in Thanksgiving, he's helping. That's normal. That's natural. He was young and immature. He didn't as he grows and matures, he does. That's just it right there. Why do you get involved in kids' ministry? You don't have to have a call to kids' ministry. Am I allowed to break this one? You don't have to have a passion or a call to children's ministry to go jump in and serve. This is one of the things that I'd be asking my pastors. It would be this. Hey, where do you need help? Like, I, I, don't show, I don't show up at Thanksgiving and say, hey, how can I help? Hey, any way you can set up tables? I don't really feel called to table setup. Um, I, really, I really feel called to turkey carving. That's really what I'd like to do. I'd like to, cur- like, like, I don't care. I don't, I don't care what I'm doing, right? I don't care if I'm carving the turkey or setting up a table. I'm contributing to the family gathering. And every time we gather, it's Thanksgiving. Are you with me? Uh, can I pray over a few people? I don't know. You may be done before I am, so I don't know. Well, I don't know what time you got to leave, but can I pray over a few people? I'm not, I don't ask you, Pastor Keith. I'm just asking Pastor Coco. Can I pray for some people? Yeah, I, I know who's in charge. Hey, what's your, what's your name again? Seth? Stand up with me. Stand up, would you, real quick? Will you guys just stretch your hands out to Seth real quick? Will you guys just engage for a second with me as we pray over some people? Man, I just saw this over your life. There's just a healing anointing in your life. I, I don't know if you've stepped into it already. I don't know if you recognize that. I don't know if you know that. But I actually saw an anointing for healing. And I would say it's actually a gift of healing. I think that everybody is called to pray for the sick. But I think the Lord actually puts specific anointings on people. And I saw a healing anointing that the Lord is really wanting to unlock. I saw him taking you on a journey. And I saw, like, significant miracles happening, like radical miracles happening through you. Uh, just significant stories uh, happening 
happening from you just stepping out. And I, I saw it was really casual, and I, I have nothing against Benny Hinn, but it wasn't like a Benny Hinn moment. It was just you like going, hey, man, can I pray for you? It was like just simple. It was casual. It was eyes open. It was sitting across the table type deal. But I just saw real faith for real significant miracles happening through you. Um, I saw that you have a real anointing for hearts to open up to you. I just saw that certain people that wouldn't give access to others, for whatever reason, when you're there, they open up. Like somehow people that have guarded hearts, that have guarded lives, when you come, they just kind of drop their guard a little bit. They just kind of drop their, they're like, I don't know what, they're not even processing it, but they're like, I don't know why, but I'm opening up my heart to you. You have access to people's heart that others don't. And, and it's, it's actually a, a, an anointing from the Lord to gain access into people. I just saw a real thing of words of wisdom as well, that not only was it healing, but you just had wisdom for people. As they kind of open up their life, they shared things that they normally wouldn't share. You just have real wisdom. And then I just saw this, that there's kindness on you that's gonna make a real big difference. And um, I just saw the Lord said, kindness is going to lead people to repentance through you. And there's just like, like people encountering you going, I just, your kindness is what is so amazing. Your kindness to me in the midst of that thing. So Lord, we just bless that. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of healing and wisdom and kindness. Lord, we just pray. I just believe that there's gonna be significant miracles that happen through his life and stories that happen of lives that are changed. Amen. Amen. Um, man. Let me see if I can find who I was looking at. Um, hold on a second. Oh, yes. Uh, this, this couple, uh, the, is that a pink shirt, salmon shirt, orange shirt, uh, uh, whatever it is. Are you guys together? Okay. Cause you're, cause, cause you're sitting, you're sitting pretty close to each other with the wide open row. So I'm assuming this is happening. 39 years? All right, stand up real quick. Will you do that? I, um, man, will you guys just stretch your hands out? I, right when I saw you today, I just saw you with your arms wide open in the midst of a field, and I saw kids running to you. And, um, and, and I, just, I just heard the Lord say, uh, they're spiritual grandparents, and I'm about to give them spiritual grandkids. Like I saw, um, I saw, uh, I saw like a whole handful of kids that were, were spiritually orphaned even in this. And I, and I saw you just with your arms open and them running to you. I saw that the gift that you have is present. Like, you, like the gift of being present. Like you're somebody who is present. And not just in quality of time, which is part of it, but uh, not in quantity of time, but like when you're with somebody, they really don't believe that you're thinking about anything else, like nothing else is going on in the world, but that moment right there, like you have, and I would just say, I think that's a real gift. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's more impact than you would imagine, I think, of just being present with people. Uh, uh, um, I saw you're going to change culture and families that's going to, uh, that's going to affect generations to come. Um, when I was looking at you, um, there's a spiritual daughter in our life who came from a very broken, busted up kind of drug background, went through our youth group, ended up living with us for four years after high school. And she, and she just came in and I'm telling this story simply, she would go to the store and come back with the generic soup. She just came from such poverty 
And I, I remember we just said, you're no longer allowed to buy generic soup. Not in this house, you're not, you know. And, and so it's a joke we have, but she now doesn't buy generic soup. She now has her own kids. She's married. She lives down by us. And she, her whole culture has shifted in her family. Her whole mindset has shifted. And I just saw you doing with that. I saw that there were kind of like, you were going to change the culture in some families. There are some families whose culture is going to be changed because you come in and teach them how to think a new way, because you come in and speak value to them where they didn't think they were valuable, and, and the Lord's going to do that. And then the last one is this. I just saw the Lord funneling money through you. I saw the Lord just saying, I want to bring money to you to flow through you. So, Father, we just say yes to that. Father, thank you for just the gift of being present on their life. Thank you that generations in families will be affected, even if they may not get credit for it, that they're going to see generations affected by the culture shifting in families. Amen. Amen. Um, all the way far back. I, I want to say you have a beard. Am I allowed to say gray, white hair? Uh, all the way, very, you're the very, very far back, far back left. Yeah, stand up right there. Yeah, what's your name? Carl? I love it. Will you stretch your hand out to Carl real quick, guys? You know what I heard the Lord say? He just said, that's my guy. Well, I'm gonna look, he said, that's my guy. I just, I just heard the Lord say, so proud of you. He's so proud of you. And he just told me this. He said, he's fought for territory. He said, he, said, he said, you have fought your entire life to gain territory that those before you hadn't gained. He just said, it hasn't been easy. It's been hard, but you have a gift of perseverance on your life. You have a gift of grit is what he told me because he's got grit. And he said, he has fought hard to gain a place and to gain territory. And the Lord just said, that's my guy. I'm so proud of him. I saw that, that you've been a rock for people, a rock for people, that, that you have been steady and you have been stable. You have been a place where people can anchor their lives to in the midst of storms. And, and I would just say this, that you're a man who's immovable. You have deep, deep convictions and you just do not move off of them. And I, and I really do. People that are tossed all around have found kind of an anchor place and there's just a stability and a steadiness with you uh, that, that the Lord just loves. And I felt like I was just to tell you this. It's that story of oaks of righteousness, you know. And can I just say this real quick? This is what I felt as to tell you. We need you. Like a generation needs you. A generation that is being tossed all around. A generation that is weak in their convictions. A generation that sometimes doesn't have the grit needed to get where they're going. I just felt like I, from the Lord, I was just to tell you, we need you. Like the church needs you. We need you. A generation needs you. And you may not feel like you're making a huge impact in areas, but I'm just telling you right now, what you carry is important. And then there's one other thing. I just felt like, and this is random, I felt like there's new friendships coming in your life. They, and I felt like you weren't even looking for them. I, I, you're not even looking for new friendships, but I felt, I just saw the Lord bringing a couple new friends in that were gonna be really important uh, in, in this season of your life. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you for these men who stand strong, who have fought, who have gained territory. It's cost them. It's cost them. But Lord, I just thank you for the territory that they've taken. Come on. Um, amen. What's your name right here on the right? Yeah. What's your name? Amelia. Stand up. That's awesome. Stretch your hand out to Amelia. Amelia, I got something real quick for you. I just, the Lord just said you're a leader. You're a leader. 
And uh, he's going he's gonna to show you how much of a leader you are. Like you have something on your life that people want to follow. You have something on your life where other people, how old are you? 13. I just saw where other teenagers wanted to follow you, wanted to listen to you. Like your words carry weight. Your, your actions just really carry influence. And, uh, and, and I just saw that, uh, that you're a leader. Let me, let me write this down real quick. And there's just, um, there's a big thing of creativity on your life as well. I, I just saw like a real anointing for creativity. You don't always fit in. And I just feel like I was telling you, you're not supposed to. Like there's something inside of you that sometimes like, I just don't always feel like I fit in. I look around at everybody else and go like, I just don't feel like I fit in this, in this context. And the Lord says, you're not supposed to. I didn't create you to fit in. Like there's, a, there's an out of the box thinking. There's a creativity that's on your life. And then I just saw you asking God honest questions. Like you were coming before God and just asking him real honest questions. And he was answering you. I just feel like the Lord said, I want you to ask me all the questions you got. Ask me all the honest questions. So, Father, we just say thank you. Thank you that she's a leader. Thank you that she's got creativity on her life. Thank you that you've called her to lead in her generation. Yeah, come on. Amen. Um, I got two more. Is that all right for two more, Pastor? Um, right there uh, in the white shirt. Yeah, right there. Stand up. What's your name? Joseph? Joseph, listen, I just got two quick things. I got three things for you. One is this. The Lord just said, I've given him ideas. I just saw you full of ideas, like overflowing, brimming with ideas. Like oh my, ideas, you just, like you just, it's just like a steady stream of ideas. Like the Lord's really anointed you for ideas. And I think it has to do with business as well. I just felt like the Lord said he's got a business in him. He's got businesses, is actually what I felt the Lord say. He's got businesses inside of him. I think it's going to take connection with other people. I think the Lord's going to bring the right people and the right connections. But I just feel like there's businesses inside of you and there's ideas. And not everybody's an idea person, to be honest with you. Not everybody can kind of see things or, or there's an idea for strategy. There's an idea for innovation. There's an idea for solutions. There's, there's just ideas inside of you. And then I just, the Lord said that he's had you in a refining fire. He's had you in a refining fire. And it hasn't been fun. It hasn't been enjoyable, but he's doing a work in you. He's actually, there's something that he's doing in you. And I, he just wants you to know that he, he, he sees you in the midst of the fire, but he's just saying, will you trust me? I just hear him saying, son, will you trust me in the midst of the fire? I'm putting you through a refining fire because I need you to come out strengthened. He is burning away everything that can't stand the fire. Anything in your life that's wood, that's hay, that's stubble, he's burning it away. And what's going to be left is only the precious. What's going to be left is only the strong, only the materials that are strong because what God wants to build in your life is significant, but he cannot build it on wood, hay, and stubble. He can only build it on fine metals. And so I saw a refining fire coming in your life. And I just saw the Lord coming and encouraging you in the midst of that. I just saw like a refreshing, even in the midst of the fire, like the Lord just coming and refreshing your spirit in the midst of it. So Lord, we just bless him in the name of Jesus. Amen. One more. Flower dress. Yeah, is that a flower dress? Uh, stand up real quick. What's your name? Maria. Maria, I got a few things for you. Um, I just saw God going to war for you. The Lord, just, the Lord just told me I'm going to war for her right now. Like I saw the Lord as a, a jealous, protector, father who stood up 
and said, I'm going to go to war for her. It reminded me of the story of Sarah in the Old Testament. Like, you don't just mess with Sarah. Like, Sarah is somebody, like, a couple people found out quickly that if you mess with Sarah, God stands up and is going to have an issue with you. And I just saw the Lord revealing himself to you as that father, protector, like he is going to, you are in a seat, you are protected. And you're protected. I just, the Lord just said, she's off limits. She's off limits. I am going to protect her and I am going to guard her. And then I just saw two things real quick. One is this, you have kids. How old are you? You have how many kids? One kid. I saw the Lord doing something with your kid. I don't even know what it is. I just saw there's something significant in this season that, you're, that, that God is really doing something with your child. He's visiting your child. He's, 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 he's just doing something. I could tell there's, there's, a, there's activity around your child in the spirit. There's kind of a swirl around your child in the spirit. And God's really moving, and, and he's coming to mark your child in a real significant way. And then uh, I, don't, I don't know how much permission I have here, Pastor, so forgive me for this. But, but I, saw the Lord, um, I saw the Lord unlocking a bank vault. I saw the Lord actually unlocking a bank vault and opening it up, and I just saw finances coming your way. And uh, I actually felt like we were supposed to give you money right now, in fact. Um, I, I, felt, I felt like the Lord said, will you participate in the prophetic word that I'm about to release over her in the area of finances? I, I saw him at a bank vault, and he was just kind of, you know, you spin that thing, and that bank vault opens up. And I, I just feel prophetically that God's about to release something. I, I feel very strongly with your child that there's something significant happening with your child right now, and, uh, and you're just to, to continue to pray into that thing, and that God's going to protect you, he's gonna guard you, but I, I also feel like we're supposed to, uh, we're supposed to do that. I, I don't, listen, I, I, I'm uncle, so I'm gonna do whatever I want here, but um, I feel like we're supposed to give you cash right now. Like, if you have cash, I feel like we're supposed to come and just give you cash, and I, I believe it's a prophetic statement right now uh, for your life, that God's about to do something significant and we're gonna release that. Uh, we're gonna go into worship just for a second, but can we do this real quick? If you have cash, I don't know, do you have a cash app? Okay, I'm gonna find a cash app. I don't have cash, but I'm gonna cash app you. I'm gonna cash app you, I kid you not. And, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, so, so anyway, we're gonna cash app you. I wanna cash app you. I'm gonna get it before we leave. If you have cash or if you wanna give her cash app, I think, let's all stand up right now. And if you want, I want you to come up to her right now. And I feel this in family. We're going to contribute to the breakthrough that's supposed to happen in, in her life. And, she, and you're not gonna like getting money right now, but oh well. So, so do we have like a bucket or something that an usher can come? I really do feel if you wanna participate, Sometimes I think we have prophetic words and other times we're supposed to participate in the breakthrough of them. Come on, we're just gonna go and, and give. And then I wanna know your cash app before we leave. Is there, do we have like a bucket? Is there an usher or something somewhere that's got something we can give her? Is, is someone getting something? Same. Come on, if you want, come. We're just gonna, we're just gonna believe for breakthrough. We're gonna believe for breakthrough. And listen, if you're not the one getting the offering today, you know what you do? You celebrate this because what we celebrate, God releases for us. We just say, when we, when we see somebody else getting blessed, we say, thank you, God, that you're blessing them. Because when we can celebrate the blessing of somebody else, he'll release that same blessing in our own life. Come on. Will you just stand up and can we worship? Can we take just a minute? Father, I'm just asking that this would be a house 
that's a family. God, that we would see a great harvest come in. God, I'm asking that you would bring the prodigal home to this house, that you would fill this house with the prodigals, that you would, that you would challenge every mindset we have that would approach it as something other than a family. You'd release the fullness of what you want to do. If you want to continue to give, come right now. I just encourage you. We're going to participate in just breakthrough. We're going to see that vault open. Come on, will you just sing? Can I just hear your voice? Let's sing this. Come on, will you just sing as we close? Come on. Come on, I want to hear you sing in this place. Come up here real quick, you can. I, I know we got to get out of here. Um, hey, there's a couple right there. Uh, yeah, what's your the younger couple? Yeah, you're looking at each other right now. What's your name right next to you? Gabby. Gabby, can I pray over you? Stretch your hands out to Gabby real quick. The Lord just told me that He's about to meet with you. He's about to see. Like uh, the Lord just said, I'm about to meet with her. I just saw like in a, like in a, a, a calendar, like just a, a, an appointment that God has with you. And he's about to come and speak to you about your future and your destiny. Like God says, I, I'm gonna give her a confidence. I feel like there's been a lack of confidence. There's been a little bit of an insecurity around your future, your destiny. You've been wavering a little bit with that. And the Lord said, I'm about to meet with her and I'm gonna speak to her about her future. I'm gonna speak to her about the destiny that's on her life. And she's gonna come out of this with a confidence. There is a strength about you. Can I just say this? There is a strength in your life that I can feel it. I just see it from the Lord that like you are a strong woman and there's been a little bit of a shaking that's happened, a little bit like you've been on uh, kind of shaky ground, but the Lord just said, I'm going to come. I saw fathers and mothers coming who are going to speak into that. I saw a strong prophetic gifting on you, like there is a gift of the prophetic on you, but I saw it not coming. It's like a thus saith the Lord. I saw it as a friendship, like you walking with the Lord and the Lord just sharing secrets with you. The, you walking with the Lord and the Lord just saying, can I speak to you about this person? Can I speak to you about this situation? And I just saw for both of you, I don't know what this is, but he's working things out with work. He's working things out with jobs. There's something about jobs or something like that. I'm going to fly through this because I'm going to be done. Uh, this couple right here, um, like, it's like three rows back right here. Uh, yeah, right there. What's your names? Look, can you stretch your hands out to them? I saw the Lord was going to begin to give you assignments. Like I saw the Lord coming and beginning to give you assignments to invest in people. The Lord said, I've given them much. I've given them wisdom. I've given them experience. I've given them anointing. I've given them finances. And it's time that he's going to, I feel like you've already been generous, but I saw that there was going to be like a laser on it. Like the Lord was going to give you specific assignments. He was going to assign you people and say, these are your people. Now I want you to go give them wisdom. I want you 
to give them encouragement. I want you to give them finances. I saw over you ministry of encouragement. That the Lord said the thing that you will be known for is the courage that you put in people. And that your, that your main ministry is the ministry of encouragement. That people that are lacking courage, you're going to come and give them courage. I saw there's a ministry of prayer over you as well. I saw, uh, you know, the friends who tore open a roof and brought people, brought that paralytic to Jesus. I saw you guys sit in these two overstuffed chairs contending for people. I saw you in prayer, it just saying, just ripping a hole in the roof and bringing certain people that God gave you and said, Jesus, we're going to get breakthrough for this person. I saw you sit in those two overstuffed chairs until you got breakthrough, until you saw them standing before Jesus. And I felt like the Lord, I felt you were to pay attention to your dreams as well. There's a whole dream stream that the Lord's about to release to you that's going to help give you some assignments and help kind of uh, fuel you. Uh, uh, you two right here, I know you guys are on staff. I'm sorry for flying through this. Will you stretch out your hands with them real quick? There's an authority for freedom on you. Like, I, I just saw the Lord come and say, I, I, I've put an authority on you to set people free. And I saw it with like a word. It wasn't going to be a long, drawn-out process, but like an authority where demons listen to you, where all of a sudden just people that have been struggling and addiction and all that, they just were free in a moment. Marriages that were in bondage were free in a moment because of the authority that came. I saw there was an upgrade that happened recently. I, I don't know what it was, but something's happened in your life, and uh, you this is what the Lord told me. They've come out of the wilderness with a new anointing and a new authority. The, the Lord just said there's an upgrade that's happened. They've come out of the wilderness with a new anointing and a new authority. Uh, I just want to say this over you. You're a champion maker. You're a champion maker. You believe in people fiercely, broken people that others have given up on. You believe in them, and they become champions. And people that go, I, that, that's not the same guy, is it? Because we've given up on him, and you just have a fierce belief in people. Uh, there's revival in family relationships or something with family relationships. I just saw seeds that were under the ground that you thought, are those dormant, God? Are those seeds ever going to grow? I saw them beginning to explode. These are seeds from years ago beginning to go. And uh, I saw an anointing. This can be weird, but I saw an anointing for you to pray for people who are on to have children. I actually think there's actually an anointing on your life for those that are wanting to have children to actually have children when you pray for them. And then uh, I'm just going to say one more. Is that all right? Bless you. You're awesome. Um, right there. Um, I, yeah, you got, yes, sorry. What's your name? Robin? Stretch your hands out real quick. I saw Jesus. We have a swing in my backyard and uh, I'll pull my kids way back. We climb way back up. And I'm like, are you ready? Are you ready? And there's this sense of like excitement and nervousness. And I saw Jesus, he's pulled you way, 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 way back on a swing. And he just looked at you and said, are you ready? Are you ready? And I saw you with like an excitement and a nervousness, like I'm ready, Jesus, I'm ready for this thing. And, uh, and, and I, just, I just saw this, God is about to break you out of your comfort zone. There's a, I, I don't feel like you've been living in your comfort zone, but the Lord, I just saw the Lord breaking a box in your life. He said, I'm about to bring you out of your comfort zone. It's gonna be exciting, but it's gonna be kind of scary. It's gonna be a ride he's about to take you on. And I'm telling you right now, I, I'm just telling you, it's probably, I think it's actually already begun. And maybe I'm just gonna put some words to it, but Jesus is about to take you on a journey that is absolutely going to blow your mind. And it is going to be like an on the edge, nerve wracking, exciting. It's that roller coaster. Like, I don't know if I should scream or cry, but this is amazing. And Jesus is taking you and he, listen, this is a season where you will not be in a comfort zone. And he's going to teach you how to serve, how to live, how to be confident outside of your comfort zone. And I just saw this thing, man. I saw the word audacious over you. I just saw like in, a, in big 
big like, um, you know that kind of neon with the bulbs, kind of like marquee. I just saw the word audacious over you. And the Lord told me she's got a radical spirit. She's got a radical spirit that she hasn't fully even set free yet. And God's going to come and he's going to tap into the radical spirit. And I just heard the Lord say, dream big. You need to dream big. There's been disappointments in your past that have kind of uh, uh, capped a little bit of that dream thing in you. Like there's been disappointments that have come and almost put a cap over some wells of dreamings. I just saw the Lord come and rip that, that cap off and just said, listen, it's a time to dream big. It's a time to think big. It's a time to take risks. It's a time to just go for it. And I just saw the Lord with you on that. So Lord, we just bless you in the name of Jesus. All right. Come on, let's pray over your pastors real quick. This is what I want to tell your house. I really believe that what God's doing is he's preparing you for the harvest. And, and I'm not just saying this to cheerlead for you, but I believe that this place is to be full of people coming back to the Lord, full of people seeking the Lord. I really believe that there's going to be an influx of prodigals coming home, of salvations happening. But one of the things that God's doing in this house as well is he's shifting this house into an apostolic house that ultimately it's going to be an apostolic family. And we don't have to unpack all of that. But in essence, the mandate on this house is to serve other houses. The mandate on this house is to lay out blueprints and to encourage leaders and to mobilize and to strengthen the body of Christ. You have a wider call on you than just Gresham in this area. You have a call nationally on you to strengthen the body of Christ. And what God wants to do here is he wants to create a lab almost. This is gonna be a place where fruit is exported from. And you're a part of that. And if you're here, part of this house, it just means that the same call is on your life. And will you just stretch your hands out to them? Father, we just thank you. I want to tell you this, I, I, I've recently been seeing pennies, one penny randomly places. And the Lord just spoke to me, it's about one cent, it's about the apostolic, uh, one cent being, you know, one penny. And I, I just pray that I just saw the same thing over you guys, that, that there really is, that, this, that there's such an apostolic calling on both of you. And this move to this church is really a culmination of the Lord preparing you guys for really what will be the next 20 or so years of your life that you're going to invest not only in seeing this house established, but seeing the church around the nation strengthened and thriving. Lord, we pray that you would continue to give them favor. We pray that you would continue to open doors. Lord, that you'd bring the right staff members. You'd bring the right people. Lord, I just pray that you'd give them access into the governmental realm. You'd give them access into the business realm, the economy realm. And Father, we just, as a, as a church family, I just feel so important that we just recognize as a church family the call that's on your life to not only lead and pastor this church, but to be an apostolic, an apostle in the nation with churches. And Father, I pray as this church pours its best out, that it would sow in abundance that it would sow finances, that it would, it would reap, it would reap in abundance, that it would reap finances, it would reap the harvest, it would reap staff, it would reap some of the best. And Father, we just bless them. Father, thank you for the ability not just to build structures, but to break structures. I just, uh, Keith, I just, 
just heard the Lord say, he doesn't just have an anointing to build, he has an anointing to tear down. It's Gideon. There's things that have to be torn down. There's structures that have been built that need to be torn down. There's mindsets that need to be torn down. The church isn't gonna get where it's going by just building. Sometimes the church has to take things down. There's an anointing on your life to do it with grace, to do it with honor, to do it with kindness. But there's just an authority on your life to say, if we're gonna get where we're going, we gotta tear this down. There needs to not just be building, there needs to be a tearing down of things. And, and I just say thank you, Lord, for the anointing on his life to come as Gideon, to tear down things that should not be standing. Not just sin, but structures that have hindered, mindsets that have caused the church to stumble and not get where they're going. And Father, I just pray that this house would be a house that champions family, that champions maturity that we'd be unapologetic about this issue, unapologetic that we're family and we are passionate about your growth. I saw as well that there's gonna be a real, and I just wanna tell the house this, there's gonna be a, there's a mandate on your house to restore fallen ministers. I would just tell this, I saw as you guys get more established here, that God's going to ask you to take some broken, fallen ministers and receive them restored. And that some of this, some of the, some of the resource of this house is going to go to to restore with gentleness these fallen ministers. That you're not only going to raise up the healthy and the thriving from the beginning, but you're also going to take the broken, the ones that have fallen, the ones that were more interested in fame and had unhealthy coping mechanisms and were broken marriages. They're going to come here and they're going to find restoration and they're going to find healing and they're going to find grace. So we just say yes to that. Yes to that. Amen. Amen. Come on, you do better than that. Give the Lord a big hand clap for this gift. I just want you to know that the word of the Lord is that have come forward. I concur 100% with those words. Some I don't know the story of. Your story, I know. And you know that God has you in his sights. That was the word of the Lord. And, and I never thought, I only dreamt of seeing something like what we just saw, where one, you turned each time and gave your concern, your heart, your love toward other people, but then you did something unthinkable. You reached into your pocket, some of you out of your own need, and participated in a miracle in her life. You don't know the story, I do, and it is a God thing. Give the Lord a big hand clap right now. So good. So listen. I did not tell Banning this Sunday was get in the game Sunday. I didn't tell him what to preach. I didn't ask him. I didn't say, hey, man, here's 20 if you hit these points. I didn't do any of that. He was in Hawaii yesterday, flew here from a wedding to do this service. All I said to him is we're in a, ser in a series of messages called the family of God. Do what you do. And that's God's gift to us. 
I just want Banning to know, where is he? Anytime, now, now normally we would wait for somebody to call to invite us to come. Anytime you hear the word of the Lord that you say, Keith, I got a message for the house and you call me, we will preempt everything and make room. This house is your house, brother. We receive you as a gift and a voice and a part of us. Come on, isn't that right? You have that. We're a different kind of place. We're not everybody's flavor, but we're a different kind of place. And we are. There should be part of you that's disturbed on Sunday mornings, encouraged and disturbed at the same time so that you grow, grow. And that means that we have to speak the truth to you sometimes in love that still hurts so you can grow. Does that make sense? Two things. We got church on the lawn when? August 22nd. And we've got baptisms that Sunday as well. Both you can get involved. If you just gave your life to the Lord or rededicating your life and you want to get baptized, bring your whole family out to watch you get baptized that Sunday. We've got a 9 o'clock orientation. Get on the QR code on the back of the chairs. Go out to the get in the game. If you are not in the game, one of the ways you can get in is for church on the lawn. Go out there and they will help you get involved and get plugged into not our house, but your house. Invest in relationships and invite people to God's house. I love you. Go with God. God's going to go with you.